Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. This is episode number 182 of Life Science Marketing Radio. Excited to be here with you today and We're going to talk about culture, one of my favorite topics. No messing around. Let's jump right into it. David Enloe is the CEO of Societal CDMO, and he is known as an organizational culture architect, which is what got my attention to invite him on this podcast. David, welcome to LSMR. Thank you very much. Glad to be uh, talking to you. So today we're going to talk about culture. And um, which I always love to do. First of all, describe why you were brought on to your current position. Um, I, the company has, I call us a three-year-old startup with 35 years of manufacturing experience. So there had been a real pivot uh, with the company in its prior form, which was called Recro Pharma. And the board recognized that there was uh a unlocked value in the contract manufacturing part to the organization because the core of that business was to develop its own drug pipeline. And, um, and then B, there was just culturally, there are two different, uh, missions. Those are two different purposes and, and reasons to exist. And, uh, I think the board was wise in recognizing that, and they went out and looked for somebody who had been around the CDMO space for uh, a while, and here I am. Excellent. So I work with a couple of CDMOs, and now you've got my attention. So um, part of it is manufacturing drugs for other companies as yep. well as developing your own. Is that the path well, now? Or? Yeah, I mean, typically... Uh, a, Pure CDMO um, doesn't have its own products. It is just in the arm's length transaction business. It happens in this case, we have an asterisk in that we, uh, due to the legacy of the business, actually own a uh, very successful in market for decades, uh, hypertension drug, broadly known, the family known as Verapamil. And so we actually own that filing. We uh, are our own customer, but then we have marketing and distribution partners that uh, that we produce for, and then the economics are uh, divided uh, in a different way than what would be the normal uh, third-party, uh, you know, contract fee-for-service way. Right. Got it. Okay. So you come into this company, as you mentioned, uh, partly for cultural reasons, at least. So let's start with how, how do you assess the culture when you come in? What clues are you looking for? What did you know before you got there? Yeah, I mean, I would say that this, sir, this is my fifth uh, CDMO to be uh, part of and, and frankly running, or at least running a core business within a larger corporation in other cases. And, um, um, this one was unique because of COVID I was not able to go to the facility. I wasn't able to walk around and, and just sort of smell the culture aroma, uh, in the hallways, as they say. And, and, um, 
So this was a leap of faith. I, I had to really dig in with the people that I spoke with, which were very high level board only, um, and make sure that, uh, quite frankly, there was a cultural fit between me and our board. And yeah. then I had to take a real leap of faith with everybody else. And it had literally accepted the job before I met any employees, one. So, um, you know, a bit bold, but I think had I not had some of the experiences prior, uh, then I probably would have been a lot more hesitant to say, I can figure this out and, and this will be good no matter who's there. So, um, that's, that's kind of what was unique here, Chris. Yeah. So, I mean, that brings up an interesting thing. I'm just curious how all these things work. Cause it's really out of my wheelhouse. Um, you know, you take a leap of faith with the board, maybe based on some experience of yours or someone else's that they, they aren't selling you the right problem and that like you get in and it's way different than you imagine. Yeah. It's I mean, I, possibility. I, yeah, of course it's a possibility, but, but it was a possibility. Every time I've changed roles or when we started a little business, I did and sold it to Lonzo. Um, you know, very different cultures there with respect to a very large, uh, global, respected, tried and true Swiss company. And here we were, you know, a little band of Texas knuckleheads slugging away and, and uh, you know, kind of fighting for the next uh, day. And, and that was a, a massive shift. And so... For me, it was about, in this particular instance, and all of them really, about being very, very transparent right out of the gate and, and not pull uh, any punches with respect to what's important to me, what's not important to me, and, uh, and really listening to what their expectations are um, uh, with, in the case of the board or in other cases, whomever the acquirer is, are their expectations reasonable? Are they tempered? Are they so aspirational that it's, uh, you know, you're set up to fail? Um, and, and I felt very comfortable with this group of leaders and, and their perspectives and their open-mindedness to some questions, quite frankly, I asked on the first interview. So, I mean, in business, like sales-wise in our business, I like to say win fast and lose faster. And, and that was the exact same attitude I was having about feeling like I would be a good fit or not. Nice. You're also the second person who's used the word knucklehead that I found today. Okay. Oh. <laughs> All right. So you come on board, you haven't met any employees, only, you know, spoken to the high level mm -hmm. board people and maybe some high level executives. Mm -hmm. Change is not difficult. Even. Not even the executives. Okay. Not even. Okay. Out one. All right, so th that elevates this next question. So people who've done just fine for a while, it can be difficult to make changes. How do you get them from the top all the way down invested in your vision? Yeah, I, I uh, again, I, I think there, there are blessings in disguise laced inside the COVID impact on running businesses. And so you know, I'm speaking to you from my home office on the West Coast. At that time, uh, our only asset 
was, uh, and, and it remains our largest asset, but we've since acquired a company out in San Diego where I am, but, uh, but that primary, uh, location of almost all the people is about an hour on the side of Atlanta. And I literally could not go, uh, to the site when I first joined the company. And so I started making uh, a video about four minutes, three minutes, five minutes long, every other Friday. And I still do to this day, I, I'm very clever with names. It's called in Lowe's every other Friday message. And, um, and I still do it and I get a lot of feedback. And in that, I just try to talk about me, not me, 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 but what's important to us. What are we working on? What are some areas inside the company? Uh, that are happening that people in other departments on the shop floor in quality control would otherwise never know were going on. And, and so that was kind of the first thing to me was really opening it up. And then it really gets back to, for me, bigger picture to your question, uh, tying, getting buy into why we exist as a company getting buy-in to where we're headed as a company and getting participation in, in establishing that and then tying everything people do to those things. So I, I will tell our folks in group settings that, um, you know, our vision is, um, I'm telling this, uh, our vision is to be a premier trusted CDMO by bringing tailored solutions to our clients and while fostering, engaging and rewarding careers for our people. Right. So if you break that down and first of all, I'm very proud of the fact that we have a leadership team that agreed that we should have something about our people in our vision because that's not common. Okay. Wow. Okay. And, and, um, and then our mission one higher up is to improve patient lives through our client partnerships. So now it becomes easy in quotes to say, how do we need to behave to further the organization? And what is the greater good decision that we need to make for the company to further that vision and that mission? All right. And if it's outside of that and it doesn't advance those, we should, why are we doing it? What are we doing? Why are we spending our time on it? And then the cultural values come in after that. And I'll, I'll stop there and, and, and let you poke through what I just said, because it was a lot yeah. of words. Yeah, I want to poke through the, the people part. I mean, uh, it all makes sense as to, you know, why we're here and how they benefit. And I see this occasionally on LinkedIn. The, I mean, I think it's the phrase about, you know, why are we going to train our people and have them leave? And then the reply is, what if we don't and they stay, right? And so... There's that mentality. I, you know, I'm just a believer in bigger pie and rising tide and all that. Like if, if you do well enough for people and they see opportunities, they probably will stay. And if they move on, good for them. And you've already established a culture for the next person coming along. I hope. Is that how you look at it? Yeah. I mean, I, I think if, um, you know, if I get on the highway and drive up 10 miles and then back and, and, uh, look at every business name there. 
I probably should not work at 98% of those places. I would not belong there. I wouldn't sit in and, and they would not have me. And, and so, you know, there are different points in time with somebody's career and, and what they're dealing with elsewhere, et cetera, mm-hmm. where, you know, we need to make, we want an engaged workforce that enjoys what they're doing and is passionate about it. And, uh, in the biopharma space, each of us, we, we talk about our why. My, my why of getting into the space was my grandmother's uh, uh, suffering. The, the, I was a military brat, traveled all the, all the time was gone, but there was this one house that was always the same, and it was my grandma, all right? And I watched her have to suffer through cancer and, and die and, and uh, all that that implies. And many, many, many people have been like that, but it, it developed in me this inside passion around helping uh, people, uh, you know, and advance the types of medicines that people can have and minimize the side effects that they go through while they're suffering. Right. So, um, you know, we've, we've got to make sure and the generation that we're hiring right now, generations that we're hiring right now, that why and that mission and purpose is so much more important than it's ever been. Now that doesn't imply that people at my level and age, not level, but at my age and generation don't value those things. What it does mean is, is that our generation used to just stay regardless of how that was going. So we were chicken. And, and I think the current generations get inappropriate flack for, you know, I mean, people call it wishy-washy and impatient and all those things, but if they're not having personal fulfillment, they're not going to stay, nor I wonder if they should stay. So our, our job, you know, if we've got a couple of people leaving in a department, you know, we need to look at what we're doing that's incentivizing them to look around or pick up the phone or respond to a LinkedIn to begin with. And if we're growing our business and very committed, really, not just words, committed to their careers, I find that to be a differentiator. And our tenure uh, data supports that. Nice. Cool. All right. So uh, at some point you went from having eight customers to 65, whether by acquisition or just organic growth. Um, About 50-50. Yeah. So describe the process and what and what that change means for your culture, because that's a, I can imagine that's a big leap. Yeah. Well, um, so first of all, you know, a tip of the hat to to the leadership on the site in, in Gainesville, Georgia, for starting the ball. It's not like when I got there, we had to start from zero. That's not what the case was. However, certainly one of the things that I tried to do was remind people, uh, and in fact, probably my favorite business author is, is Patrick Lencioni and uh, he says the CEO's job should be CRO, chief repeating officer. And, and so, you know, you, you remind people over and over and over that um, we're going to grow and areas that right now are, that are not busy are going to become much busier. And, and as I always say, imagine our throughput doubles, but now imagine if you have four people supporting today, 
you can't have eight supporting twice as much work. So how are we going to scale that up? What are we doing? And you can't run a business dedicated on the fact that, you know, Susie knows Tommy really well. And so they rely on each other because Susie and Tommy need to be able to go on vacation. Somebody's going to have a child. They're going to, and, and the, and, and I've seen, I've shown up at a business where when that happened, when so-and-so went on vacation, all the wheels just came to a grinding halt and we waited for that human to enjoy their vacation and come back. That's not a scalable business. So, you know, this process of going from eight to 65, and again, I want to emphasize that about, you know, truly you could say eight to 30 something was, was, uh, you know, Fortin. So we, you know, acquired them one slugfest at a time to win those awards, <laughs> right? We want a new one today that we're all excited about. So, um, you know, we just have to fight through. We've always done this this way. Because, by the way, on the other side of what we've always done it this way, 80% of the time, in my experience, it is, and I really kind of hated the fact that we have always done it this way. You just kind of keep talking about it and keep asking questions about it. And, and you'll find that actually there's a very high willingness to change the way we've always done it. They just want to know that it's going to be supported and, and they're not going to be left kind of hooking out to dry, so to speak, and, and making errors or whatever that might be. Right. Got to see the path. Yeah. And, and in the case of, you know, we acquired this smaller company in San Diego two August ago. So August of 21. Yes. And, um, you know, it was a small, very entrepreneurial company. Everybody had their finger in every pie at all times. And, and so the, the helping people understand, like the scientists who are very technical, hey, we can bring resources to bear to support materials management, supply chain ordering, proposal preparation, so that you can do excellent science, parentheses, which is why you're here. And that's what your passion is. But, you know, when somebody's doing everything, there, there can be a sense of loss as they start to let go. And so ah, at the yeah. bottom of all of this is, t is the T word, isn't it? Trust. You know, they've got to trust that, that the other people are not going to let them down. And again, that's something we have to bake into our cultural values. Yeah. Um, let's talk briefly and then one more question after this, but um, talk about since you mentioned supporting employees that are faced maybe with, all right, I've got this new operational excellence goal yeah. as part of the culture, but at the same time, I've got a customer waiting on X, Y, and Z. Um, How do I make that choice? Yeah. I mean, for me, there's, there's, you know, running the business, there's working in the business and there's working on the business. And part of growing from eight to 65, let me tell you, we, we could not always turn towards the customer priority at the expense of something like an operational excellence initiative and go from eight to 65 and still maintain our success rate production-wise, which is very high. I mean, that's one thing that is very attractive about this company 
And, you know, going back to the very first question, how'd you find yourself picking a company that you'd never been to or met anybody of? I, I did know that the commercial production track record and the regulatory track record was very impressive at a level I had not seen before. And so I knew, look, we were going to have to have in our stated cultural values, we were going to have to have something about customers because that was new in terms of being top to bottom, a customer facing company. And then because of the acquisition in the scaling up organically, we were going to have to have something in our stated cultural values about change. So we went through a process of, I'm kind of not answering your question. I apologize, but I think this is important. We went through a process of understanding what the base company's cultural values were as stated, and they had them stated. And then we had to look at what the new company that we acquired, a smaller company, what their cultural values were, which were not stated. So we had to do working groups, focus groups, interviews, surveys to identify how much or to identify what those key words were and weren't. And then our aspirational part, you know, it, it ought to be 80, 20, it ought to be 80 who we are and 20, what we want in terms of cultural values. You can't just, you cannot pick things that you're not, you know, just in your DNA and, and then pretend like you're going to succeed without just blowing the whole thing up and starting over. So, but we found commonality there. It was a huge part of our whole due diligence process of, of adding uh, the company is just that we felt like their culture was a really valuable addition to the culture we had. And then we galvanized those in a way that uh, everybody could get behind leadership on both sides and rolled them out the same way with the same blame and initiated a, um, an employee recognition platform uh, called a high five, where you pick out which cultural values uh, colleague and teammate uh, uh, demonstrated while doing a certain thing. Were they inclusive? Did they build trust? Did they value teamwork? Were they accountable? Were they obsessed with the customer? And were they embracing of change? And, and so we talk about those all the time. We have monthly employee recognition events and often they are about a specific cultural value. So uh, anyway, Chris, I'm sorry I, I deviated yeah. all. But that was a better answer than the question I asked. Well, yeah, like, but, but, you know, I mean, just back to it super yeah. quickly. I mean, you know, how do you do an OE goal at the same time you've got a client task? It's up to, if we're out, if we're practicing what we preach in terms of achieving our vision, we've got to... I have to make sure that we're resourced accordingly to be able to do both. And the employee who's kind of in the crosshairs of making that decision needs to have uh, the trust and demonstrate the teamwork to cultural values to be able to go and say, I need some guidance here. You know, I, I got to pick one or the other and we have to do them both in an excellent manner. And I've got customers internally and externally waiting on each of those what would you like me to do? And it's up to our leadership to make sure that we, uh, you know, we strike that balance appropriately. Right. So what I take away from everything you just said, I mean, you know, sometimes culture is posters on a wall, but I mean, it sounds like you have, you know, really driven it through the yeah, organization. I mean, we, we call it embedding and, and, um, 
Yeah, I, I'll leave you, not leave you like I'm hanging up, but I'll just say that that the other thing I have found, I was just talking to some folks yes, two days ago about this. Um, conflict, if you do it right, conflict between employees should go down. And the reason why is nothing should be personal. You know, if somebody has demonstrated some behaviors or made a decision, didn't value teamwork, that wasn't inclusive, that was that did not demonstrate a commitment to accountability or to an obsession with our customer or embracing of change, it's very easy to say, you know, we're headed down a path that's not consistent with what we've said we are. And, and that's much easier than me saying, Chris, you're not doing your job. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's, it's about why are we here? Are we further in our vision? And so all of the goals, individual goals feed up to department goals, which feed up to the corporate goals, which feed up to the vision, which feed up to the mission. And we show it in that cascaded sense up and down over and over. Nice. All right. Last question. So you have, um, you mentioned, you know, two sites in the U S San Diego and Georgia. Um, but you have facilities across four global sites and I'm sure they all, you know, have a way to influence each other to some degree. Um, but how do you make everyone feel valued as opposed to, as you're m merging these cultures, as uh, opposed to someone feeling defeated? Well, yeah. And this was, you know, in a one prior life, I should say one life prior that we had an organization with a large operation in Western Belgium and a newer upstart uh, organization doing something different in Osaka, Japan, and a joint venture that we bought the other half of uh, in India, and, and a facility doing something completely different on the West Coast of the U.S., so you could not get four more different places. Uh, I guess I could argue I could, but not by much. So, you know, you have a, a lot of collisions happening. And what we did in that case is the big two were the San Diego operation and the Belgian operation, not in that order. And believe it or not, there was so much acrimony and hesitation at the beginning of it, Chris, that I did not feel comfortable asking the San Diego team to fly to Belgium, nor did I feel comfortable asking the Belgian team to fly to San Diego. So we actually met on neutral turf, which is the Newark Airport Marriott for three days. And, and it was like that. Okay. So that was our, our, our neutral ground. Embarrassing to even tell the story, but that's where people were. They, they were yeah. not about it. But we spent a lot of time aligning what our ultimate achievement was, what and goal was, what has changed in the industry that meant we needed to combine these enterprises. You know, and it's the voice of the customer that we're really listening to by making this change. And we redefined our mission. Here we go again, our vision. And then we aligned our cultural values and made sure that everybody could get on board with it. We brought in somebody from the outside to help facilitate it because again, it was a little bit contentious. And uh, now we look back on it and it was a very, very positive experience because of the level of inclusion we, we uh, 
allowed and, and uh, insisted upon so that it was their plan and these were their values. Now, certainly I had some, some things in my mind and as did our uh, people leadership uh, colleagues. And, and so we wanted to make sure we steered the right way uh, from my side, but, but uh, everything had to go through a process and you can't hurry some of these things. You can't microwave good food. Awesome. David Enlo, this has been a treat. Um, this is my second MBA class of today. This is, I, I love this. And thank you so much for sharing all that experience and expertise. I'm sorry, so wordy, but uh, as you can tell, I hope I'm really, really passionate about it. It's the key to the success we so Yeah, believe it. One thing that stood out to me among many from my conversation with David is the fact that every other Friday, takes three, four, five minutes to deliver a message to his team about why they do what they do, keeping people up to date and just keeping them bought in on the whole idea of the purpose of the organization. I think it's a great idea. I know that for some CEOs, that would be a challenge, but what would make it easier is possibly to have a conversation with somebody for just a few minutes around a topic every other week, record that and deliver it inside or even outside. Maybe you have a different message that you want to give to investors, employees, customers, future employees. If that sounds like something that would be useful for your company, there is a link to my Calendly in the show notes. As always, share the podcast. Someone you work with will appreciate it. And I will be back in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye.